Welcome to the GSA podcast. Today we'll be speaking with Miss Jade from the Drag Queen Story Hour. Hi, you're so beautiful. Thank you so much. That was just, I just. Oh my gosh, I love your hair. I didn't notice she came in. Oh my God. I noticed. I saw the icon. I'm just like, ah. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, Miss Jade, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. What an honor. We're, we're so excited. We've been looking so forward to it. Um, we have like a good show, a showing of our GSA here. Um, and they're just like so excited to ask you questions. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So sh- should we jump right into it? Do, we, do you want to start? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. All right. Um, I think I have the first question. Um, so what kind of high school did you go to? Um, let me just say a little bit about myself first for one second. So yes, my name oh, is- sorry. Okay, no, you're all good, perfect. I just want to make sure you know who I am. Uh, Miss Jade, I'm a Brooklyn-based drag performance artist, and I've been doing drag forever, and I've been with Drag Queen Story Hour for two years, and I use she, her, they, them, and I'm excited to be here, and I will definitely answer, go ahead and answer your question right away. Why not? Um, so I went, I grew up in Westchester's and in, in Yonkers, so I went to Yonkers Middle High School and they have an international baccalaureate program. So I was with so many really, really smart students. That was not where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to a more performing arts high school. But if you know anything about um, Yonkers, Yonkers is the fourth largest city in New York. It's huge. So we have, I think, five, six public high schools and, and a bunch of private ones. So we had to like kind of pick which ones we wanted to go to. And even though I picked the performing arts school and some other trade schools, they put me with all the super smart kids. (laughs) I wanted to dance, I wanted to do art. And they were like, you're gonna do, you're gonna do academics, enjoy. (laughs) So that's the kind of high school I went to, very, very academic based, intensely, so. (laughs) So, um, So about your school, I know you said they were smart kids. So were students openly LGBTQ over there? When I first got to that school, there was not um, anyone who was out um, as LGBTQ, queer, like plus none of it. Um, Actually, I might've been the first person to be actively vocal and out at my high school. I started the Gay Straight Alliance in my high school during my sophomore year. And um, eventually people started talking a little bit about queer identities, um, but there was no one that I was able to look up to because there was no one who was out there in school. All right, so going from that, were like, so were they able to like come out or was it like difficult or was it like 50-50? Like it depended um, solely on the students and how they felt. felt. Could you elaborate more? You mean, you mean the coming up process for other students? Or me. Um, like coming out as LGBTQ. Yeah. Especially you, were you comfortable? Okay, good question. <laughs> For me, I think so. A little bit about me I grew up in a very religious household. My grandmother raised me, and she was a Pentecostal minister. So I spent a big chunk of my life in church. I literally learned to tie my shoes in church. I was very active. I was on the usher board. I was in the choir. 
I was I, I was a little goody goody in church, and because there was also a lot of talk centered around homophobia in the church, it made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, and it wasn't until I I kind of like started questioning things and like leaning into my identity and accepting my own identity, it became easier to claim my queerness. And I think for a while I was out to my school. I was lobbying in Albany for legislation to change for queer people, but my family did not know that I was gay until or identified as queer until a little later on. So I, I it was interesting. I was making all these moves. I was fighting for for rights and and doing public speaking events. And I think my grandmother just was like unaware how I identified. Um, so for a while, it was it was definitely interesting. It was definitely like I was living a double life in the beginning. How did you get involved in drag? Ooh, great question. So I went to, I was, I was a very, I was a very angry teenager. And I mean, I think I spent a lot of time repress, repressing like my feelings and my thoughts, you know, I, I again, grew up really religious. So I, if I had issues sleeping, my grandmother would say, you better pray on that. And, you know, like there was no like real solutions. Like, all right, maybe if you like, if you went for a run before you went to bed or early in the day, or like maybe if you drank this tea, it was always like religion is the way to go. Praying is the way to go to solve your problems. So I was one of those students who thought, or one of those people who thought like I could pray the gay away. Um, and I got into a little bit of trouble in high school <laughs> and um, had to see, um, the guidance counselor and we talked and she was like, I think you you need to like find a community where you feel seen and you need to talk to someone. And I went to a conference, a big conference. They focused on like LGBT plus issues. They've talked about abusive relationships. You can pick and choose what workshops you wanted to go to. And I went to the LGBTQ 101 one where I was like so scared. And it was hosted by an organization called Center Lane. And um, they had a flyer and they were in a local city in Westchester. And me and a couple of my friends like just grouped together arm in arm and went to Center Lane for the first time. We all sat in like a love seat by, by ourselves. We just like, it wasn't even a love seat. It was like a one person seat. And the three of us squished in because we were so nervous and so afraid, but it was, um, it was going to this, it was getting in trouble. It was getting in trouble and having to talk to um, some counselors and to, to realize I actually need to like talk about these things and get involved and make relations with people who are like myself. And at this youth center, they had a talent show, a little coffee house. And the director basically pointed out four of this of the youths and was say, and said y'all are going to get into drag we're going to make you y'all do lady marmalade and i was like uh drag's not really my thing like maybe not like no um for me you know like growing up very naive and ignorant 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 i said things like mm, i don't think i'm that gay to do drag 
you know, like very, very offensive, gross things now that I'm an adult and able to look back at my behavior and my thoughts about it. But I did drag <laughs> at this talent show, this coffee house, and it was fun. And then I went to a college where they have a big drag culture and was pressured by the upperclassmen to compete in this drag competition. And I did, and I won, and the rest is history. I fell into this world and it's been revolutionary for me. It's been really awesome for me to do drag. I hope that answered your question. It wasn't just like a bunch of run on things. <laughs> that was perfect, that was perfect. So I just a quick question, and I know that wasn't on the list of our questions, but like now as you're older- Also feel free to ask me whatever you want, I'm open. <laughs> Thank you. Now that you're, you know, you're older and you, you know, you found your community. Um, what's your relation relationship with religion? Because it was so much part of your upbringing. Like, is it part of your life now? Good question. Uh, religion specifically is not a big part of my life right now. I do think religion can be awesome. I think it can be um, welcoming. I, I think what I got out of growing up. Pentecostal was I got a lot of awesome morals. I, I was I was taught to kind of take care of myself and take care of my community. Just like pr the principles that we should be applying to <laughs> ourselves anyway, like taking care of ourselves and each other and paying it forward. I think I learned so many awesome things like that. But then I think once people have bring in their own biases, and their own bigotry into things, it gets a little hard. So places of worship can be very tricky when you're trying to practice um, religion. And I kind of fell out of it. And I consider myself more like conscious and spiritual. I know that sounds a little like hokey and like, ooh, but um, I just think if I'm practicing, you know, self-love, protecting my peace and taking care of those around me and people who are nowhere near me, just keeping these people in mind and keeping the world in mind and, and animals and the planet. I think, I think I'm doing those things now. And I think religion has taught me those disciplines and I'm gonna keep applying them. But right now, I don't know if religion is for me, organized religion. How did your family and friends take your coming out? Did they accept you at first? I think, my friends definitely accepted me. It was hard at first with my friends though, because what my friends did to protect me is if, if people said that I was gay or said something negative about me, they would lie. They would say, no, he's not gay. He's just a little feminine. And like, oh, he's like, and eventually I had to be like, you have to stop. Like, don't do that. Don't lie on my behalf, please. It's, I'm also just a very honest person. I don't like lying. Um, it's not really something I do. So to have other people do it for me to protect me, I was kind of like, we got to nip this in the butt. Um, but my friends were very, very uh, welcoming and accepting for sure. And my family um, had some reservations for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm extra, I'm a very extra person. I came out to some of my family um, via email. <laughs> like I wrote something up. I know Amanda, laugh, laugh, laugh. Um, I wrote a long email explaining to a couple of my aunts uh, who, who grew up around me um, how I identified. 
And my other family, because I was so politically active and such an advocate for LGBTQ issues, I was like, I was in the newspaper basically. I was in the journal news, like, you know, um, talking, speaking on panels about being black and gay. And my way to come out to my family was of course, emailing them the articles. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people didn't know how to respond to that because it was such a big, big move. It was so extra. It was so extra, so dramatic. But I think putting it in their face like that was definitely like a way to claim that identity and and almost even say like, this is what's been going on. Like, this is what I've had to do. I've had to find a network of people who are accepting of me and welcoming and grooming me to be a person that cares about themselves and the community. Um, so it's definitely been um, much. I wanna say it's definitely been it's been like two coming out situations as well because they I had to come out to my family as being queer and then I had to come out to them as being a drag queen. <laughs> so that brought on a lot of interesting conversations and, and issues. It's one thing to come out to your family and have them say very like possibly homophobic things about you and then coming out as a drag performer and then them saying very transphobic things about you. So I had to really um, hold fast and hold still in those identities. And, you know, I do, do identify as a cis man out of drag. And I really had to paint a picture to my mom because I was really involved with, again, performing arts, musical theater specifically. So I told my mom, I was like, this is like any other show you've been to. Any other show that you've seen me perform, whether that was West Side Story or Little Shop of Horrors, I get to go into a space, I get to create this persona, this character. I go to these spaces and I perform and I have a great time. I'm treated like, like a, a celebrity in some places and I get paid for it and I love it and I'm good at it. So this is, this is what it is, honey. You can, you can jump on or you can, you can be mad, but I'm doing this. This is definitely something that's bringing in like all of my passions and, um, you can't stop me. <laughs> I love that. Um, so it looks like you're like working, you mostly work with elementary school students. What's their response to Drag Queen Story Hour? So with Drag Queen Story Hour, I do work mainly with younger kids. Um, they, their response to Drag Queen Story Hour is, it's interesting. I feel like it's a young, it's a, to me, the younger the kid, the more free thinking they are, you know? Um, in addition to being a drag queen, I'm a dance teacher. And I think the perfect parallel of that is when I'm teaching my really young kids movement, sometimes I make them go across the floor and do a, a sassy model walk, right? You get a young kid to do a model walk, oh, you can't tell them nothing. They are feeling it. They're like catching the wind. They're so confident. You can't tell them nothing but I think as as youth age they become a little bit more insecure a little bit more things are more internalized they have had a lot of things bombarded on them about their looks their shape their size their hair their their personality hormones are going you know and um 
there's there a lot of people become a little withdrawn. So that's something I find really interesting as a dance teacher is the younger you are, the more free thinking you are, the more free you are, the more celebratory you are. You haven't had the world bombarding you with ideas about who you need to be. And I feel like the older generation, like tweens and teenagers, it, it can be a little bit more reserved. So I think comparing that to reading with kids and being a drag queen around kids, they see me and they're excited. They're curious. They're like, I like your jewelry. I like your hair. Can I touch it? Like your eye, it's their, their, they, they want to explore, you know, they're, they're touching my, my huge heels. They're like, what size are you? This is a big foot, you know, like <laughs> they're definitely curious and, and, and they love the, the sparkle, the colors, they're just, they're just excited with um, something different than what they're usually seeing. And I think that's really important is that if you are from um, a specific kind of household, you might not get to see a lot of diversity, right? Like I know growing up Yonkers or even the city, it's so diverse. You get to see so many people, so many different kinds of people, people who practice different religions, uh, people who different traditions, you know, but a lot of people don't get to experience that. So I think with working with young kids, it's been so fun. They literally say whatever is on their mind. And there's just an honesty there that um, and curiosity that I really, really love. And I definitely gel well with with the youngins, <laughs> definitely. Okay. First, I'm going to say that I 100% agree with you on what you said about um, teaching elementary kids. And me and my mother said that you're really beautiful. Hey, Mama. Thank you, love. <laughs> you're welcome. What advice can you give LGBTQ youth who are feeling isolated at home because of the pandemic and everything? Um, I thought a lot about this, actually. I think when I found the LGBT Center Center Lane for me, it opened up so many doors. So first and foremost, I wanna say it's so important to find like your tribe. Even though I grew up with family, you know, all around me and grew up in the church, it was, it was incredible finding people who were like me, who were queer, who had maybe similar experiences that I had, uh, but just a place where it wasn't taboo or, frowned upon to be myself. Um, so first and foremost, that. And virtually, I know like right now everything is virtual. So it is hard. Um, so I think it's important to find organizations that offer maybe virtual support groups. I know, um, I feel like the Yes Center does, the Center in Manhattan does, I know Center Lane does. Um, there's so many organizations. Now that things are kind of virtually focused, you can totally find different organizations where you can connect with people like yourself, your tribe. And um, your generation is the, the internet group, right? So like, it's, I know it, it's not always the first thought to like check online to find a support group, but I think it's awesome to, even if you get to link up with someone who's in your school or, so, or your neighbor or something as a support system and find someplace that y'all can go together uh, virtually or safe and or safely. I think it's important to find spaces where um, you can still see and get support. And some places actually have in-person stuff still. I know at least uh, that they, maybe directors or counselors are still seeing people one-on-one. -on -one. So I know that reaching out and finding 
um, I guess I would call them a specialist or a counselor or um, a youth counselor that can gear you in the right direction or point you in the right direction. I definitely know that you can totally find support and your, your group, your fam, totally. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I was just thinking of a question. I know um, you're reading books to elementary students. Um, I, have, I have a one and a half year old. Um, what is your favorite book? Because my wife and I are constantly buying her books and like, what is your favorite book? What should I buy for her? My favorite book is Rooster Wore Skinny Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Rooster Wore Skinny Jeans. Um, first and foremost, it's it's really vibrant with colors and everything rhymes. And it's very, it's very now, it's very today and perfect for um, this world right now because this this rooster basically is obsessed with fashion and orders a pair of skinny jeans. Um, they clearly have a little shopping excess, excessiveness totally, which I know a lot of us can relate to, right? And this rooster basically puts on their jeans, they're feeling it, they're feeling their fantasy, they know they look good. And they go to the other farm animals and they're showing them like, oh, my, my farm animal friends will love these jeans. And that's not what happens at all. You see all the side eye, everyone's like, oh no, that's not it, sis. And exactly, they're just like, mm, it's the jeans for me. And, <laughs> and um, basically, eventually the rooster like runs away, is upset, and then they get a glimpse of themselves in the mirror. And they're like, oh, I, got, I bought these jeans for me and I look good. And they, they kind of own it and there's confidence there. There's a moment where the rooster really sees themselves and, and identifies that like, you know, they might not like these jeans, but I bought them for me and I look good in them. So I'm gonna sport them and rock them. And because of the rooster's like confidence, one of the farm animals is like, oh, okay, I see you. Like, I kind of like, I, like, I love that this confidence. And then all the rooster, all the animals in the farm basically like, chime in and they're so excited for them all of a sudden. For me, I'm like, what, what happened to that energy in the beginning? That energy should have been there in the beginning. But I think it's such a fun, silly, cute book. And it teaches uh, that it's important for you to just be yourself, dress the way you want. I know as a teenager, I was always so hyper aware of how I looked and if I really felt seen or in my body, in my clothing. And I think it's a cute little book that teaches confidence and to just own it. I love that. I love that. What a great story. Great book. It's yeah, so yeah. Very good. Does anyone else have any questions? Like as we've been talking, anything that pops into your mind? Yeah, feel free. I'm here and I see the oh, chat. I have, a, I have an actual another question. Um, what would you say to the young people who want to get into drag? Yes. I would say, hmm pick one thing that you really, really love and try to bring it into your drag. That could be like clothing. It could be that you, maybe you're a singer, maybe you're a live singer. You know, you can bring that into your drag and really create like a space for yourself. Cause think about it, not everyone can do what you do. So it's a really cool thing to like take what you know and what you love and bring it into your drag for sure. Um, Definitely, definitely do some research. Like I, I, I was obsessed with watching YouTube videos and learning different styles of makeup and 
um, practice, practice, practice. I think, um, and there's there's teenagers that do drag. There are kids that do drag, honey. And um, I think it's really cool and, ex and, and explorative. You know, drag is for everyone. I think many people think you have to be like myself, you have to be gay to, to be a drag queen. You have to be hyper feminine to be a drag queen, but drag can be anything you want. So definitely explore and play around. I kind of got a question. Oh, like who inspired you to do drag? Like who's your big, who's your biggest drag queen inspiration? If that makes sense. Yeah. So eventually I think my big drag inspiration was RuPaul, of course. So yes, but um, but back in the day, remember RuPaul was like the only drag queen that you would know. I know, um, I'm not sure how old anyone is here, but when I was young, I remember watching VH1 and RuPaul had a TV show. RuPaul had a daytime television show. And um, I was like, what's happening? I was so confused. But I was also one of those kids who was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show really early, not knowing what was happening. Like just knew that like, if someone catches me watching this, I have to pretend that I'm not. Um, so RuPaul definitely for me was a big um, icon of mine being black, being a drag queen and kind of like standing on their own. Since then, I've definitely been able to see inspiration from other people. Like I definitely think I draw inspiration from strong black women. Um, I love uh, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson is, is a huge icon of mine. Tina Turner, honey, a strong, strong, powerful black woman. Um, and then I, I get a little old. I love like a, a, like a very vintage, very uh, classic look. So I, I Diane Carroll, Joan Collins, Eartha Kitt. These are just some incredible people that I look up to and I think kind of um, help with my drag persona. But like, if you did show your parents yourself in drag, how did they react to yourself? being drag like physically like I'm seeing you in it. Yes. So my mom has not ever seen me in person in drag. Um, she has since come a very long way. She was saying very nasty, transphobic, homophobic things to me. I had to I had to protect my peace and separate myself for a bit, which is fair. You know, and I, and I not I encourage anyone to leave their household, but I do think it's important to try to protect your peace. If something is not working to your benefit, if something is not nurturing you, you gotta evaluate the situation and sometimes you have to remove yourself from the situation. So um, I was in college when I did that. I was like, I can't deal with this negativity. But since then we've, we've come a long way. My mom watches Drag Race now. She watches Drag Race, she's a big support. Uh, Literally the week of lockdown, I was putting together a show called Synthesis where I was going to host and curate and perform um, a celebration of nightlife. So we had drag kings, queens, burlesque performers, um, musicians, all these queer identified people in one space to do an incredible show that I worked so hard on since the summer. Miss Rona said, no, you're not. So um, that show got postponed, but that was going to be the first time that my mom got to see me in drag, which she was super excited for. Um, her coworkers were gonna join her. So it sucks that that was kind of taken away from us, but um, it, it's, it's gonna happen. She's gonna see me in person soon. Um, we had a surprise birthday party for her last year in January. Her birthday's coming up, ooh. Um, and 
her coworker was there and she said, oh my God, you're gorgeous. We stalk you on Instagram. You are everything. And I was like, wait, what? My mom is, is looking at my Instagram with my co- her coworkers. I'm slightly embarrassed. Like I, <laughs> you know, I did not think my mom was watching my Instagram, but her and her coworkers were definitely on my feed, checking things out. So that was kind of cool but also just like a shock to me. Cause again, this was a person who, who yelled at me for literally just the fact that she saw that I had heels, you know, really was upset with me. And my mom was a very n- negative person for me when I was trying to really connect and accept my queerness. She was my bully. My mom was my bully growing up. Um, so, it's a, it's a, it's been a full 180, and she's been very, very supportive of me, thankfully. This really concerns me. I really want to know, how do you walk in those heels? Because I can't even walk in short heels. Imagine heels like that big. How do you do that? Yeah, do you- no, I can't even go in wedges. I can't. No. <laughs> exactly. Like, how do you do that? Don't your feet be hurting? I can't. I can't. Like. There's, there's, you know, there's something that I love about heels. A lot of people hate heels, and. Uh, but there's like a confidence when I put on heels and definitely it depends on the, the shoe, you know, sometimes an open toe might be harder, you know, yeah. the, a platform heel might be, you know, scary. There's, I remember there's all these videos of, I think Lady Gaga and like Alexander Wang heels that like look like crab little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like you gotta, you gotta pick the right heel for yourself. You might, you might need a one inch, two inch heel. You might need a little kitten heel. Uh, but that's okay. I just love heels. There, There is something that changes about my walk when I put on heels, for sure. Um, my family should have known something was up because my family loves to tell this story that when I was really, really young, um, a baby, I broke out of my crib and went into my grandmother's purse and took a dollar out of her purse, put on her red heels and ran to the store naked. They should have knew something was up. <laughs> like day one. Well, I've been doing this a long time. Honey. <laughs> yep, she, she's a professional. She's been doing it ever since she was in diapers. You're not like, I'm sure you fell a couple times, but like, you really just like went like, all right, bye. Yes, that's yep, crazy. she was rocking the drag ever since she came out. <laughs> she's a professional. She's certified now. What helped me, this is going to sound very silly, almost like pageanty, almost. I used to, um, in college, I used to put on my heels, put on a tiara, and clean my apartment. (laughs) I told you, she's a certified drag queen. What drag queen doesn't do that? I mean, she did say she was extra before, but that's (laughs) iconic. Yeah, now, I know. If you don't do that as a drag queen, you're not a drag queen. If you don't. If you feel good looking like that, doing what you're doing, then you do it. That's right. And you do you like exactly. Exactly. That's a good. That's a good saying to apply to anyone, whether they do drag or not. Like I'm just saying, you work it like you do you like. Thank you so much. Very interesting because you know I think that that shyness and that being timid about your personality is something that a lot of us are taught, and you know, like even. You know, I, I, I was I was a thick kid. I was a thick kid. So I always tried to take up as little space as possible. And I catch myself shrinking myself for other people. You got to own that space. 
you have to own that space, take the space and really, really believe that you, you deserve to be seen and heard and take up space. And I think society just often bombards us with ideas where we're supposed not supposed to, where we're not supposed to speak out, we're not supposed to make a peep, we're supposed to shrink ourselves for other people. And that's, we're not about that life, you know? Nope. No, no we are not. Thick is the new norm. I just <laughs> this is what I think the children learn from drag queens and drag queen story hour. There's, there's just like a confidence there that like, it's, it's, it, you, it's, a, it's a space, a safe space for you to own it and be yourself. I think that's where it's about. It's just being yourself authentically, unapologetically so. Mm-hmm. Like you change yourself for other people. Yeah, no, we don't do that. At, at first, I was like, I need to change myself to be popular in all this. And then ever since I joined the high school in GSA, I'm just like, yes. I-, I have a question. So like, I don't know if you want to answer this because this might be kind of sensitive. But in your work, do you like experience any homophobia by maybe like teachers or like principals or students? Uh, are you talking about as a dance teacher? Um, like when you go to like read the like the story hours like that. Um, so with story hour, it's it's an option. You know, no one's no one's being forced into a room with us and the door is locked and it's like now that I have you here no you know so it's definitely a, a choice I'll go with her no matter what <laughs> yeah help me out Kiki yes uh, yes yeah I feel like everyone who comes to story hour they want to be there and I think that's one thing that people get confused about people are like you're forcing this upon the children you're making them gay you're making them into drag queens when actually all we're doing is showing different types of people. And all we're doing is reading books. All we're doing is reading books, playing games, singing songs, and giving them permission to be themselves, you know, um, to, be, to let them know that they're in a safe space and that um, all these books we read, all, think about every children's book you've ever read. It's always been, there's been some kind of moral at the end, something that you can connect with, whether it's a story about empathy, a story about unity, a story about overcoming something. These are things that we do as humans. We're reading books that are very much what you're used to as a child. And 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 I think um, I'm grateful I have not had to deal with anything like that. I know I had protesters come to one of my events. It was just two people. And I was like, that's all y'all got? Okay. <laughs> Um, there has been some scary things happen, happen that have happened at other people's readings. So um, I think I think there was a librarian who who resigned um, at my second reading ever. They didn't they did not like that they were bringing in drag queens to do readings, so they they left. And then that's a very extreme thing. Usually, people who act like that have no idea what we do, you know. And so I think what would have been better is if they sat and watched and listened and maybe talked about it and why we're there. And um, I think many people would be surprised if they just took a moment, saw someone who was different and listened versus then wanted to like react and, and clap back or pop off. I think it's important that we listen to each other. Well, Ms. Jade, thank you so, so very much for being here with us. Um, we so appreciate it. And, and what you do is so important, not only for the queer community, but, um, you know, for the little ones that are growing up and seeing diversity and inclusivity and like, you know, it's just so important. Um, and we just thank you so much for being with us here today.
Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Everyone was so sweet and nice and welcoming. I got to see some of the comments in the chat. Y'all are sweet, y'all are so kind. Um, yeah, I just wanna reiterate that like protect your peace. And I love that Amanda said inclusivity because you can have a diverse group of people. Diversity is great, but inclusivity is the way to go. That's the way things are gonna change. That not only everyone has a seat at the table, but everyone has a voice while sitting at the table. So I, I hope you all use those awesome tools of being peacekeeper and changing the world and being helpful and connecting and um, keep building on your tribe and, and bringing other people in because you all matter and y'all are gonna do, y'all are gonna be doing the same thing that I'm doing, just living your life and being a light into other people. I see that for you all. Thank you all so much. Have an incredible day, y'all. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. Bye. 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 <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that was so good. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for this month's episode. Follow us on Instagram at hsfi underscore gsa. See you next time.